This is our second session on 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6, and we go a step further in trying to understand Peter's counsel to wives who are married to some husbands or some wives married to husbands who do not obey the word, which we argued is unbelievers. So, Father, as we go a step further now in trying to understand how these wives, who like all Christians, are sojourners and exiles in the world, including their marriage, may we have your mind, may we have your way of seeing and your heart for situations like this, including the wife and the husband, as she tries to win him. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just read this first couple of verses that we'll be focusing on. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, which we argued last time did mean not just disobedient Christians, but unbelievers, non-Christians, they may be one to Christ, to, con- to faith, without a word, by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So, several questions arise. The conduct that is being emphasized here is is a way of winning the husband. May he be won without a word by the conduct of the wives. And here it is again, the conduct. Now, this is an instance of a general principle laid down for all believers back at the beginning of this section in 2.11. I urge you all, I urge you Christians as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh that wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct. There's the same word, anastrophes in Greek, among the Gentiles, honorable. And this particular Gentile would be an unbelieving husband. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, he may start out saying, what a knucklehead to go to this Christian service and get yourself converted. And now you're part of that crazy group. They may see, and that's the same word as see, and it's an unusual word back here in 3.6, that they may see your respectful conduct, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So this husband, she hopes, will move from calling her an evildoer to one who is glorifying her God. And it's interesting that it says down here that these wives are to do good and not fear anything. And that doing good is this same idea of that they may see your good deeds. Conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds, which these wives are supposed to do down here. Now, the reason all that matters to me, to point that out, that this is a specific instance of a general statement, is this. 
when I'm preaching on this or when I'm reading this for my own soul, I as a man, not a wife who's married to an unbeliever, am learning things here from her and what she's being told. And I've had students ask me, for example, if I say down here, she is to hope in God and that's how she becomes fearless, not fearing anything that is frightening. And I make the connection between hoping in God and not fearing anything. And I say, that's, that's what, what I want. John Piper, male, husband. And I want to learn from a wife who's hoping in God and thus being fearless. And people say sometimes, is that legitimate to uh, draw principles and truths for yourself as a man from a paragraph devoted to uh, a wife? And my answer is yes, for the reason I just gave you, namely that her effort to win her husband by her conduct is a specific instance of what we're all supposed to be doing back here in chapter 2, verse 11. Namely, keep our conduct among the Gentiles honorable, that when they speak against us as evildoers, they may glorify God. So that's my rationale for why John Piper, a male and a husband, can learn from these instructions for Wives, they're not just for her. They are just applied to her in this specific situation. So how does she win this husband? What are the specifics that she may win him first without a word and then respectful and pure conduct? So let's just take a minute on those three things. What does that mean, without a word? Can a husband be one to Christ without a word. That is, if this meant he doesn't need to hear the gospel, he can simply become a Christian by watching behavior and knowing nothing about what this woman believes. Well, we know that's not the case because earlier we saw this. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. This is 123 to 25, through the living, through the living and abiding word of God. Now, what is he referring to when he says word of God? All flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This man, this husband, must know this news. So when you go back here and it says he can be one without a word, it doesn't mean he doesn't need to know anything. Like, is she a Christian or a Buddhist? I don't need to know. I'll become a Christian by just watching her. No, he needs to know what she believes. He needs to know the gospel that is changing this woman. Now, how he comes to know it, we're not told. And if you want to stretch this to say, she may not even say she's been converted and explain the gospel. You can, and that he has to learn it somewhere else. But I think what this means here, without a word, is without an excessive word, without a nagging word, without a pressured word. Not that she can't talk at all about her faith, but she needs to be discerning 
of when these words become offensive or pressured or nagging or manipulative of the husband. And so she's being cautioned. Once he knows your gospel, however he learns it, it's this conduct that's going to make all the difference. The next thing he says is respectful. This is, this is tricky because the literal Greek is in, in fear. And the question is, does this respect apply to God or man? And I argued in the preceding paragraph that fear is the right answer, and it's fear towards God. So I think he's saying, wives, conduct yourselves in fear towards God and purity towards everyone, including your husbands. And here, here's some of the reasons. Back in chapter 1, verse 17, if you call upon him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. That means fear of God. And when, he, when Peter begins this sequence in 2.13 following, he says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. And I argue this is in all fear of God, because right before it, it says fear God, not man. And if you go back here to the wives, down here at the end, it says, don't fear anything that is frightening you women. You are the most lion-hearted, bold, courageous, fearless women on the planet, because you are hoping in God. And so I don't think this means fear of the husbands, and that is the literal word. I think this is respect towards God, fear towards God. And that fear expresses itself in, husband, you are not my ultimate fear. My ultimate fear is, God, I don't want to please God. I may have to displease you in some things, but I am not going to displease my new supreme master, and you're not my supreme master, God. And Jesus Christ is my supreme master. So in the fear of God, she is sent now back into a respectful and subject relationship to her husband. And the last thing is this purity here, this hope in God and this not fearing anything and this fear towards God and this new, new conduct that she's living before him is a pure conduct. She's not inclined to be dishonest about anything. She's not inclined towards any kind of sexual illicitness. This husband finds, this unbelieving husband finds, I have a pure and trustworthy wife. So that's her first steps. Without a word, she is able to hand it off to God. He knows the gospel now. I'm not going to badger him with it anymore. I'm going to trust and fear and hope in God. I'm going to be a pure wife. And in this way, I am praying that he will be one without a word. And the next thing he does, and this is what we look at next time, is shift over to how she dresses. Now, why in the world would he go there? That's next time.